0: Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Howdy duty friends, welcome back to the
1: pod. Hello, hello, welcome. It's another week, it's another day. It's another day, it's another dollar. Madison, I have a question for you. Okay. Well, actually I have a few questions for you. And they're actually not my questions. They're questions from our friends on Instagram. Do you oh. want to do
0: a Q&A episode together? Let's do it. You really got me there. I thought that you were like going to put me on the spot. <laughs> I thought about it. But no, we are doing
1: a Q&A episode here today, which we are excited about. This is our first Q&A episode. So we pulled our friends over on Instagram, got some really good questions kind of across the board. We're going to be talking about money bowls and color magic and Reiki and conspiracy theories and our earliest memories of spirituality. And I think it's just going to run the gamut. And I feel like I'm going to learn a lot from you. You're going to learn a lot from me. Madison and I have not discussed our answers to any of these
0: questions. (laughs) so I know. I'm so excited. We were getting these questions. I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what Molly has to say about these.
1: Yeah, I'm so
0: excited. And for future reference, we want to do these
1: more often. So we are going to leave a link in the show notes going forward with a little form that you can fill out. If you ever have an idea of a question you want answered or a topic you want us to cover, drop that in the form and we're going to keep a running list and do these episodes more often. But first, Madison, what was your magic moment of the week? Okay.
0: So you and I have talked about this privately off the pod a lot over the last few months, but I have been in such a creative rut. So for those who are newer to the pod, I have a metaphysical store that I run with my mom, and we have our own line of products. That's entirely me. That's my brain, child, my baby, the closest I'll get to bringing life into this world. It's usually my favorite part of my job. It's my favorite part of going to work is getting to be creative in that way. And I haven't had it in me to make anything new in probably three or four months. There have been products that I knew I wanted to make, product requests from people who've come into the store from like frequent customers, people like begging for certain things that I knew would be easy for me to make if I could just have a spark of inspiration. And it was really really discouraging to feel like I didn't have that at all. And in the past week, something shifted in my brain. I've described it to you as I got my brain back, like my brain turned back on. And a few days ago, It just happened. It was like it all came to me at once. Like I got the true definition of like a download and it was like eight o'clock at night and I ran to the store and Mm -hmm. I made three candles, full recipes ready to be put into production. I came home, I made their labels and I sent them to the printer and they'll be out probably next week. Wow. What are the new candles? I'll give you a little bit of a behind the scenes. I'm actually excited because we got a question that I think that I'll be able to slide one of these candles in and say some good suggestions based on the download I got to make this candle, if that makes sense. But we'll be introducing a creativity and inspiration spell candle to go with the creativity and inspiration ritual kit that we've had forever. A manifestation spell candle Mm. and a serenity spell candle meant to be like, we were talking about this in the episode that came out last week that I realized I didn't have a spell candle that really was geared towards sleep. Yeah. And I was noodling on that, and it was a couple days later after we recorded that it it all came to me, that I I knew exactly what I needed to make. It was those three, and Serenity was the other one. So what you're saying is I manifested it. I made this happen. You did. You were a direct correspondent to (laughs) the direct line. That's my dream. So thank you. You were directly involved in me getting my groove back. Here to help. Here to help. All right. What was your magic moment, Molly? Okay. I have a really
1: cool manifestation story. So I work with a personal trainer at my gym once a week. It's something I started doing when I was like healing my hip pain. If you if you knew the pod, the reason I got into Reiki and all this jazz is because I had chronic hip pain in my early 20s. And when I healed the root cause of my hip pain, I still had like intermittent pain because the way that my body held pain for so long. I had certain muscles that were overactive and others that had atrophied. So my hips literally couldn't maintain a stable position until I started strengthening the muscles around it. Anyways, there's a whole episode about that in there somewhere because the bodies are so cool. But I started working with a personal trainer in 2020. And over the last year, I really haven't had like a goal for the gym, you know, which drives my trainers nuts because he's like, He has no direction to go on. So (laughs) I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just here to show up and pick things up and not think for an hour. And I recently got swapped over to a new trainer. And I gave this trainer basically said to him, like, my goal is to just show up, get out of my house, pick things up, and not have to think for an hour. I have so many goals in the rest of my life that I can't even think of a goal for the gym right now. So if you have goals, like, if you want to come up with a few goals and run them by me, and I'll pick one. And he was like, great, up for the challenge. So one of the goals he's brought to me was to do a 200-pound deadlift, which at the time he presented this to me, I was like, that feels absolutely impossible. Like 95 pounds is hard for me to lift. This was three weeks ago. And I'm like, something you should know about me is I have no attachment to my goals at the gym. And I also am like delusionally confident at the gym <laughs> because it does not matter to me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the person where he's like putting weights on the bar. I'm like, how heavy is that? 800 pounds. Cool. I'll do 40, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like the perfect pressure cooker for a manifestation to come through quickly because I'm not attached to the result. I have no fear around whether or not I can get this goal or not because I'm just like, completely detached from it. And I like speak as if I already have done it. Uh And so I started working with him three weeks ago. Again, 95 pounds was difficult for me to lift. Last week, I lifted 165 pounds. Jesus Christ. And it moved easily.
0: That is fuck. We were
1: talking and he was like, I thought you were going to hit 200 pounds like by the end of the year, but I think it might be by
0: September, October. And I'm like, so what you're saying is next week I'll be lifting 200 pounds <laughs> that is so exciting one I love having no goals going to the gym that's something that I've learned very recently is possible like you can just go to the gym and like piddle yeah like you don't have to be working towards something really like big and monumentous to like be allowed to be there mm-hmm. I don't know what I thought about all the other people who were in the gym like, I just assumed that they were all working towards marathons and Ironman competitions and bodybuilding situations <laughs> I must have assumed. But like, I think one, that realization is really freeing. And when you told me that story, I didn't even put the pieces together of like, oh, that is such a excellent opportunity for manifestation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like
1: so cocky about it. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I went from 95 pounds to 165 pounds in like two weeks. I could easily lift 200 on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, there's nothing you can't do. (laughs) I can't wait to hear all about it. I will keep you posted. (laughs) All right. You ready for the first question? Let's dive in. All right. So first question we've got is, can you dive a little bit more into color magic?
1: Mm, I think we mentioned this in one of our episodes. I can't remember which one,
0: but I remember you offhandedly mentioning
1: it. And then I was like, oh, we should do an episode on that.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited to do kind of like a little bit of an introduction here. Basically, when you boil it down, color magic is an association that connects to an intention. So there are, you know, like guidelines that you can use. If you've ever been in the store, we have these little, they're like index card size, little pieces of paper, like cardstock that are kind of around the store that they're just informational materials. And we have Mm -hmm. one on Color Magic. So I'll pull that up really quick and give you kind of a little bit of a a little list really quick.
1: Yeah. So it's basically like a color is connected to a specific intention. So you can use that color or wear that color to evoke the energy of that intention. Like for me, I use the chakras, Mm -hmm. right? The energy centers of the body all have corresponding colors. So like if I need to feel more grounded, I might wear something red or work with a red crystal. Or if I want to connect with the heart, I might use a pink or green color.
0: Yeah. So it's something that people most often will use in ritual work. I will use it when I get dressed in the morning. That's like the easiest way to use color magic is to, you know, sit with yourself, think, what is the intention I want to set for the day? As someone who honestly only really wears the color black, I'm always dressed to the nines <laughs> for protection, for grounding. I like stay ready. I'm wearing head to toe black as well. So that's why I'm laughing.
1: <laughs> I'll stop wearing black when they make a darker color.
0: Oh, I've seen that on Pinterest. <laughs> But if you have a little bit more of a variety in your wardrobe, then that's a really great place to start. I know that I'll often, because I only ever wear black, I'll buy colorful scrunchies. (laughs) Oh, smart. And so if I don't have a scrunchie in my hair, it's usually on my wrist. It's not interfering with my outfit. And Mm -hmm. it's just like an easy way, you know, just I'll often speak to my scrunchie. I'll say, okay, you're going to give me a little bit extra creativity. You're going to give me a little bit more wisdom. You're going to give me some abundance. But if you don't have any strong color associations in your mind, I will always say those like trump anything that you find on the internet. You know, like you can Google very easily. What do the colors mean in color magic? If you think that red signifies abundance, if that's the connection that your brain makes, stick with that. Don't think you have to go with green because that's like what everybody says, you know? Yeah. But something easy that you can kind of go off of is red for passion, love, desire, and confidence, anything in that kind of realm orange for opportunity, excitement, or change, yellow for creativity, joy, happiness, and persuasion, green for luck, abundance, and growth, blue for healing, wisdom, and knowledge, purple for power, intuition, and psychic abilities, black for grounding, protection, and warding, and white for manifestation and amplification. Mm. So Interesting. I like to have a couple of each of these colors in like a chime candle, those little four inch small candles that you'll often find at metaphysical stores. Mm-hmm. Keep a couple of those. So I'm always ready if I want to just, you know, the easiest kind of ritual work, just light an orange candle when I know I need some opportunity. Speak it to that little candle. That. Say, hey, I want some new opportunity in this area of my life. This is my intention. Go forth and prosper. Color magic, baby. Yes.
1: All right, next question says, y'all have mentioned money bowls a few times. How do you make slash use slash refresh your bowls? Madison,
0: turning this over to you. An excellent place for some color magic. (laughs) So this is a fun place to get creative with your practice. This is a fun place to like kind of, I think this is a great exercise in seeing how you like to make your ritual work, if that makes sense. Like if you look online, you'll see a lot of like beautiful, gorgeous, aesthetic money bowls. And then you'll see money bowls in coffee mugs Mm -hmm. and they're all just as powerful. There is like no better way to do it, but a money bowl is a great low stakes way to kind of experiment with the kind of rich work that you like to do. Do you like to be a little bit more intricate? Do you like lots of materials? Do you like beautiful vessels to hold your things in? Or do you like things that are compact, easy to assemble and disassemble things that can be portable, you know? Because oftentimes you'll hear people talk about refreshing your money bowl. It's kind of like a living document, right? A money bowl is something that a lot of people believe requires a little bit of TLC. You know, you refresh it, you take things out, you add things in, you sometimes take it apart completely and make one from scratch. So if you want to try something new, it's very easy to feel good in being a little bit more experimental because a money bowl is something that changes so frequently. And its primary purpose is to attract financial abundance. Oh, yeah. That's an important part to include is what it's for. (laughs) Yeah. So like
1: mine, I thrifted, I think it's like a trifle dish. It's like a small trifle dish. Mm -hmm. I'm really into like crystal glass vessels from Goodwill. I am too. And then I learned this from you. So the base of mine is pink Himalayan salt, Mm -hmm. which I buy at the Dollar Tree. And then I have a couple of crystals in there. I think I have, it's either a jade or a green adventuring elephant. I can't remember which one. I have a couple of clear quartz. I have anti-anxiety spell jar because I previously had a lot of anxiety around money. Mm -hmm. I keep a stick of incense in there. Sometimes I will have a tea light that's dressed with oils and herbs and things like that. But right now I have two sticks of incense sticking out of it. I have... A sticky note that says, show me how good it could get with Reiki symbols on it. like a little message to the universe. And then every check, every spare change I find on the floor, every check that I get that I put in my account mobily, I stick in my money bowl. So right now my money bowl is like overflowing with all of these different checks because I change mine out completely probably like once a quarter, like when the seasons turn over. So I just have like a bunch of checks just like ballooning out of it.
0: Oh my God. The check idea is so good. Yeah. I mean, I never
1: know where to put those checks when they're like, hold on to them for two weeks. So I just stick them in my money bowl oh my god that's so smart i just throw
0: them away i just say well i i have faith i have trust <laughs> but yeah so basically what a money bowl is is it's a vessel holding a mixture of things that symbolize abundance and wealth to you mm-hmm. so really all you need is like a base like that pink himalayan salt i use uncooked white rice i don't know why i needed to mm-hmm. specify that it's uncooked but i don't know just in case <laughs> dry white rice and a mixture of herbs. So I have salt in mine as well. I also use lavender for that same money anxiety. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I have some lavender and peppermint and cinnamon in mine.
0: Yeah. I also have alfalfa and catnip in mine. So something, a little known fact, one of my favorite herbs for attraction is catnip. It's a good, no matter if it's abundance or whatever it is you're looking to like pull in Catnip is a really great attractor. So I will often, I've given the advice before of my friends who have been house hunting to keep a little bag of catnip in their pocket or in their bag. And one, Mm. stray cats will approach you on the street. When? Obviously. I thought you said when first and I was like, when what? When you have catnip in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) And two, it'll help attract the right house, the right place that you're looking for to you. I'm going to go order some catnip. ASAP. Yes, that's one of my favorites. So I keep that in there as well. And then same thing, coins, a few like $1 bills. I, a few years ago, was in London for an extended period of time and just like came back with a couple pounds and pence or whatever Mm -hmm. that it wasn't worth it to exchange. That's like a, a great thing to have too, like something, money that I can't use. So yeah. I don't think about it to have that in there. I have those in there. Same thing, a couple crystals. I think I also have a jade in there. I have <laughs> I have a pair of jade earrings that I lost one and I was so distraught about it and I didn't know what to do with the other one. I was like, I can't look at this earring and just be sad that I don't have its matching pair. I put that in my money bowl because it had jade in it. And I actually have an Oracle card that you sent me in a card once in my money bowl.
1: Cute. I think I have an intention card from the Healing Hedge Witch in mine as well. Oh, that's very tender. Oh, we're a part of each other's money bowls. It's so cute.
0: That's very tender. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so how to make one is essentially find your vessel, find your base, find a few things, maybe two or three that signify abundance to you. Cleanse your vessel either with smoke or sound or sometimes I use moon water, anything like that. Put your base in that vessel and then arrange your items accordingly. Refreshing it. Some people feed it, quote unquote, by adding new things to it. Like you said, about once a quarter is when I do it as well is take everything out. I'll usually get new rice, Mm -hmm. cleanse each of the objects that I keep in it. Something important to me, this is something that is like a a part of, I guess, the ritual that I keep for myself is I'll never spend the money that I put in that bowl. Yeah, same. So it's like maybe the equivalent of like $3 total that I've gotten there, but that $3, it's like it's gone to me. It's just a part of this money bowl. Like it has a new job now. Mm-hmm. Its job isn't to be spent. Its job is to pull more in. I'm going to say this with
1: a tremendous amount of privilege behind it, but I have $100 in my money bowl. Okay. Because I there was one moment, I think it was like two years ago, where I felt like money was really, really scarce. Mm-hmm. And that's when I created my money bowl. And I suddenly came into $100 like in cash. Mm-hmm. And I never use cash. And I gave that $100 to my money bowl. Mm-hmm. And with this intention of like, I trust that there's always going to be a surprise opportunity whenever I feel low, whenever I feel like I'm going without whenever I'm in a place of scarcity. I know there are opportunities around the corner that I can't see yet. And so like for me, it's this like offering of trust that like if I can keep this here, A, I know it's there if I ever feel that scarcity again. But B, I know that like it's been two years. I haven't had to touch it. And the universe has always come through for me. Wow. I want to talk about releasing attachment. I know it's been a practice it's been a practice it's it's right next to the anti-anxiety spell jar uh-huh.
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> and also just a disclaimer like nothing bad will happen to you if you spend the money in your money bowl if Molly really needed that $100 next week like you know it would be fine it's yeah everything will be okay <laughs> it's just I'm gonna spend all my other $3 before I get to that $3 you know yeah, exactly, exactly. I like forget that it's in there until I refresh it and then I'm like, "Oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: money in here." This is also such a reminder that I don't know the last time I refresh my money bowl.
1: I do it on the solstices. So I did mine on the summer solstice. When we do our fall equinox mm-hmm. episode, we will remind
0: you all to cleanse your money bowl. Everyone will be me. I'll be the one who needs reminding cuz <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend I'm going to have a long think about the last time I did that and probably give myself a little smack on the wrist for it cuz here, I'm giving my advice, yeah, once a quarter. And I'm like, mm, it's probably been at least two since I did it. <laughs> <laughs> what a good, good time to do it today. All right. Next question. Anything to help with better sleep? I suffer from sleep paralysis and nightmares. Ooh, yeah.
1: As someone who's struggled with sleep most of my life, I have lots of ideas. The biggest recommendation that I can give you about sleep is to be really intentional about the energy in the room that you sleep. Mm -hmm. So I know there's like advice in the, you know, the world that isn't woo about like the associations we make in our brain with our bed. So using the bed just for sleep and intimacy, if that's what you're into, but not like scrolling social media in bed or watching TV in bed because your brain starts to associate those wakeful states of your brain with the space of your bed. So if you have trouble sleeping, only using your bedroom Or your bed, especially for sleeping, can really help with that. But also energetically, like making sure that the space in your room is really clear. So one of the things that I'll do when I'm struggling with sleep or especially like nightmares, trouble staying asleep or waking up feeling like really heavy is I will cleanse the energy of my mattress. So I like to do this with smoke, but you could use sound cleansing. You could use whatever, Florida water, maybe. I don't know. Moon water. I don't know. Go for it. But I will basically strip all of the sheets off of my bed, the mattress pad, everything. I will clean that in the washer. And then like my mattress, my pillows, I will do a good smoke cleanse on top of, around, and underneath, and then vacuum underneath the bed. And then what I will do while like my sheets are in the washer and the dryer is I will put a stick of selenite across the center of my bed and just ask that the selenite purify any other energy that might be in the space. And then put the fresh sheets on, stick the selenite underneath the bed for the night and wake up feeling well-rested.
0: Yes, a little bit of Florida water or moon water in with your sheets and your blankets is a Mm. great way to bring that in too. I find that making the mundane spiritual and making the spiritual mundane is the best way for me to integrate new tactics essentially. Yeah. And so in non-woo spaces... Routine is something that's really important to a healthy sleep schedule. Routine Mm -hmm. is something that I struggle with at nighttime. And so, if I need to push myself to do something mundane, if I make it magic, it makes it fun and I want to do it. And then, on the flip side, if I don't feel like I have time to do something magic, I bring it into the mundane. So, Mm -hmm. opposite sides of that coin. So, I will make my going to bed routine a ritual, quote unquote, where like what we talked about in the evening routines. Oh, I guess a great segue here is we have a whole episode of spiritual evening routines that came out last week. Yeah. I forgot about that part. I know. That's my first piece of (laughs) advice is give that a listen maybe. But in that episode, I talk about sound cleansing videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Putting something like that on while I get ready for bed, tuning myself into, okay, like this is go to sleep time, you know, lighting an intention candle, a blue intention candle maybe for serenity. That's what that is to me. Mm -hmm. Lighting a healing hedge witch serenity candle that might be out when this episode airs remains to be seen. Turning it into a spiritual experience is a way that I can get myself to do the things that I know are good for me. If it's hard for you to put your phone away at night, say you're putting your phone away not because you need to go to sleep, but because you're doing a ritual and you are staying in the moment for the ritual.
1: I also find plugging my phone in, I do this little, this cute little trick for myself where every two weeks I plug my phone into a different outlet of the house that's not in my room because I am someone that I will scroll until all hours of the night and then I will... If my phone is in my hand when I wake up, I will scroll first thing. Mm -hmm. So some weeks I will plug my phone in in my office. Some weeks it'll be my kitchen. Some weeks it'll be my living room. Once it was my bathroom. It's like whenever I get used to where the phone is and I instinctually start to scroll in the morning, I will
0: change where I plug it in. Oh my God. I wish I had your level of restraint. (laughs) i do not have where i have to play games with my brain Uh (laughs) so that i don't scroll the level of restraint to play the game because i just know that it's bad for me and i say time to candy crush until i can't keep my eyes open
1: i just don't have a charger in my room Mm -hmm. so in order to plug my phone into my room it's more effort yeah so i don't do it Uh, i'm very jealous of you and envious (laughs) of you in this moment Next question, what is the easiest way to start Reiki and what are ways to bring Reiki into everyday life? So the easiest way to start Reiki, I always recommend going through a training program where you will be supported by the teacher. Reiki is really easy to start doing if you learn in a way that works for your brain. So there's a lot of training programs online that are you know, courses that are not very thorough, are not really catered towards different learning styles. They don't provide any support. So if you get stuck, then you're kind of like not going to use it, right? Like Reiki only works if you actually use it. And so you want to make sure you're going through a training program and receiving what's called an attunement from someone who's actually going to support you and be able to help you through. If you have any blocks that come up, any self-doubt that comes up, because What I found in doing my training program, which hundreds of people have gone through at this point, is Reiki itself is really easy to learn how to do. It's our own expectations and self-doubt that get in the way. So often I have students come through the training program where they're worried they're not going to be able to do it right or they think they're quote unquote doing it wrong. They're not doing it well enough. They're not feeling enough. And so much of my, my level one training is in reprogramming and reconditioning us to understand that Reiki is going to show up differently for every single person. So for instance, I had a student go through the training program this spring. And every time we do a practice in the class, I always ask, you know, is, is anyone not feeling it? Let's talk about that. And the, the person was like, yeah, I didn't really feel anything. I said, okay, what did you expect to feel? And they were like, I expected to feel like heat or tingles, didn't get any of that, not really sure if it's working. So he said, Okay. Did you notice anything change in your body and mind from the start of the practice to the end? And they said, well, I noticed my brain had a really hard time focusing at the start and now it feels a lot quieter and more peaceful at the end. And so I said to them, which is more in alignment with your intention for why you're learning Reiki? Is it to feel heat and tingles or is it to feel that sense of spaciousness and focus in your mind? And they said, I literally wrote that my intention is to shut my brain out. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we can get in this state of expectations thinking we need to feel heat and tingles and these like big firework sensations when it comes to Reiki. And if we don't feel those, we just stop practicing. We don't do it because we think we're doing it wrong. When in reality, the impact of Reiki is so much more subtle and we're not seeing it because we don't know what to look for. So that's why it's really important to go through a Reiki training program with someone who is going to help you see that, who's going to help you see, help you through your own like blocks, your own self-doubt, your own like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Because until you get through that, you're not going to consistently practice Reiki and then you're not going
0: to consistently see the benefits of the practice in your own life. I think that's an excellent point that a lot of people don't think about in terms of like finding a Reiki training is that like the person doing the training is just as important as the content of the training. Like finding alignment there mm-hmm. is how you're going to bring it into your everyday life. You know, like that's, yeah, you build a foundation with someone who aligns with your goals and your intentions for Reiki and for the training. As for bringing it into your everyday life, I think it's the other side of that coin that I was talking about earlier of finding places in your mundane life, places in your schedule that you can incorporate it. So doing Reiki on Mm -hmm. your bottle of water before you drink it, on your coffee in the morning, on your food. Yeah, I think this is something that I teach all of my level
1: one students is two minutes of Reiki every day is more effective than 60 minutes once a week because two minutes is a bar you can trip over on your worst days. And those are the days that you need Reiki the most. So it's like maybe your practice is while you brush your teeth in the morning. You have one hand brushing your teeth, the other hand doing Reiki. Maybe it's while you're driving to work. You have one hand doing Reiki, one hand driving. Maybe it's You know, when you go to take a phone call at work before you pick up the phone while it's ringing, you take a breath and you send yourself Reiki. Maybe it's before you fall asleep at night. Maybe it's, you know, like you said, on your food, your drinks, your water, your coffee. I'll do Reiki on my dogs. I'll do Reiki on my space. I'll do Reiki on my laptop. I'll do Reiki on my crystals. It's really like anything that you can touch, you can do Reiki on. And when you learn distance Reiki, you don't have to touch it. So the sky's the limit. The world is your oyster. Yeah, for me, like when I'm writing anything for my business, if I'm updating my website, I'm doing Reiki at the same time. When I am putting content out on social media, I am doing Reiki on that content before it goes out there. When I am, you know, charging up my crystals and setting an intention for the day with my jewelry, I am doing Reiki on it. So it's less about what ways you can bring Reiki into everyday life and more about like what makes sense for you, what feels most. Intuitively aligned for you, and then starting to play with how can you add Reiki to the things that you're already doing? Because the other thing that I see for students is Reiki becomes like one more thing on the to do list if they haven't learned this kind of like two minute method that I teach, which is like, okay, take your already overflowing to do list and where can we use Reiki to create more spaciousness in the things that you're already doing rather than creating one more thing on your list that you're not going to do. And a subtle plug, if you want to go through Reiki training with me, I'll put the the waitlist down in the show notes. I open trainings twice a year, so you will be the first to know when the next one's open.
0: And on that note, I'm very excited to make Molly talk about this next question. We got a message, just learning of the podcast, and I'm so excited to listen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you offer Reiki 3 training? <laughs> I
1: will be. So historically, I have always had a level one and level two training. So level one, I call Reiki one, the science of self-healing. Level two is Reiki two, healing beyond space and time. That's where you learn like three of the Reiki symbols, distance Reiki, Reiki to the past and the future, as well as other things. You become a trauma-informed Reiki practitioner. Reiki three is the master level training. And I have been working on this training for I think two years. I think two years people have been asking me for it. And over the last year, I feel like I've gotten so much clarity on it. I think where I was stuck for a long time was I felt like my Reiki master training was not great. I mean, it was fine. It was, you know, what I needed at the time, but it didn't change my life. It didn't feel monumental. It felt like, okay, I did the thing and checked the box and now I got a certificate. And it was really all the work that I've done outside of that training That helped me feel prepared to teach Reiki and helped me really deepen my relationship to Reiki. And so I've been kind of stuck in the loop of like, how do I offer Reiki 3 training if I don't have like sort of a good jumping off point of my own experience? You know what I mean? And so over the last year, I have been working on and building and channeling a curriculum for Reiki 3 and working directly with Reiki to make that happen, which I think a year and a half ago, I would have been like, Molly, what the hell are you talking about? But it's been so divinely guided, intuitively guided. And really the intention behind Reiki 3 is less about checking a box so you can become a Reiki master and more so how you can transition from Reiki being something you do to Reiki being something you are. And for me, that transition has shown up so much over the last year where I feel like You know, if I was once driving through life on my own and now I feel like Reiki is a passenger helping me navigate, you know, when I hit obstacles or I'm rerouted or I don't know which way to turn. It's like Reiki is just this support that is always there. And then teaching just comes so naturally from that place because I'm so deeply grounded in that connection, you know. So all that to say is, yes, I will be offering a Reiki three training. Graduates of my program will learn more about it in a couple of weeks. Applications are going to open in September. The training is a 12 month training slash mentorship. It will start in January of 2024. So if you're interested on getting on the wait list for that, send me a little DM or send me an email
0: and let's connect. I'm so excited for this. Reiki three is something that I've been talking about with you since we met I think you know mm-hmm. we were internet mutuals for a very brief period of time and we both in an effort to win the other's affection supported their business and something yeah. about meeting you I knew that I needed to go through your training I had had no previous experience really with Reiki I've like I'd had Reiki sessions but like I had no calling towards it until I met you and saw your training and knew that it was a part of something bigger Mm-hmm. And since I finished your Reiki one training, I've been like, okay, I'm um, signing up for Reiki two. When can I sign up for Reiki three? Because I know that I just know, I feel it in yeah. my bones that I'm like, we're doing it full send. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so excited for this. And I'm so excited to, for you to finally get to share a little bit of that with the world. Ugh, I know. I feel like it's like my baby. It's mm-hmm. my actual baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, And people keep asking me to like, if I'm going to write a book and- the answer is absolutely yes, but I feel like this training is like the final step to writing that book mm-hmm. because I've always said like my manuals that I give out in my Reiki 1 and Reiki 2 training are like the foundation of the book I will write one day mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm waiting for that final chapter before I can yeah publish it into the world. Put it all together. Yeah, big things coming. Big things coming. I'm so excited. Okay, next question. What are your opinions on
0: conspiracy theories and do you have any favorites? Yes, I think conspiracy theories are hard because I just believe in everything. Like <laughs> I believe in Bigfoot. I believe in aliens, every God for every religion. I'm like, yeah, probably they're probably mm-hmm. all out there. So like, I think I have a little bit of like a narrowed view of like what a conspiracy really is or conspiracy theory. And a lot of the conspiracy theories out there are oftentimes connected to anti-Semitism and mm-hmm. racism and things like that. And so It's hard for me to find conspiracy theories that I really think are like out there that aren't rooted in something gross, but probably aliens. Do you have one? Like, I don't know if it is conspiracy. I don't know. Favorite in like, I believe in it. I don't know. Favorite in general is that Paul McCartney was replaced
1: by a a double. Is that yours too? Is that yours too? Oh my God. my husband is the biggest Beatles fan, and this drives him nuts. <laughs> but Same, my stepdad. I,
0: years, yes, Paul McCartney is dead. <laughs> yes, Paul McCartney was replaced. It was like, and I don't, I don't know a ton about it, and I think that's why it's my favorite. But I know that like slowed down songs that it's like allegedly Paul is dead, so spooky. You could play them backwards. <laughs> the Sgt. Pepper's cover. Uh huh. I love something a little spooky, a little silly that like. You know, is probably like, is almost definitely, in my opinion, not true, but like, is so fun. My stepdad is also a huge, huge Beatles fan. And that was like, I think what we kind of bonded on when I was a kid. And it pisses him off so bad, too.
1: <laughs> I know. Let's
0: talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> That's so funny. I got really,
1: really into conspiracy theories when I was in high school, and that was one that I became like a special interest of mine, and I knew everything about at one time. I have not retained any of that information, except for the part that the real man, the Paul that was replacing Paul, his original name was William something. I forget his last name, but I always used to say beware of William to my roommate in high school before we fell asleep.
0: Can you imagine being William like imagine somebody approaches you one day and is like you look just like Paul McCartney
1: no they got him plastic surgery
0: oh okay this is a part of it see this is where I'm telling you I don't know a ton about it. it I think it's my favorite purely because it's like just something silly that I know exists in the world
1: oh that's so funny I was gonna say that one but
0: they got him plastic surgery
1: yeah and like vocal training to change his voice to sound more like Paul
0: I have some reading to do after we're finished here. Okay, what's yours? You you said you were going to say that?
1: I was going to say that one, but I thought of a better one this morning. I believe in the Philadelphia Experiment. Are you familiar with this one?
0: I think when you start talking, I'll know what you're talking about, but I don't know it off the name.
1: I don't remember a lot of the details of it, but it was basically, it was either a ship or a submarine that the US military was trying to make invisible to enemy radar And so they had this like new technology and they brought it out into the harbor to test it. And there was like a bunch of people on the shore watching. And when they turned it on, the ship did not just go invisible from radar. It went invisible, invisible. (gasps) And when it came back a few minutes later, everyone on the ship had gone like, Bonkers. Like, people are talking about time travel. There were people that were, like, violent. There were people that were, like, unconscious. There was one man who was fused between the first and second floor hull. And the belief is that the ship, like, went in time traveled. Like, there's a really bad 80s movie made after this. Like, it just disappeared into a different time and then came back and... <laughs> That's the
0: Philadelphia experiment. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have so much reading to do after this. That one fascinates me. I used to be really into conspiracy theories as well. And I also have retained absolutely no information. I'm sure if like 16 year old Madison could hear me right now, (laughs) she'd be like, what is wrong with you? Of course, you have a favorite conspiracy theory and it's X, Y, Z. And here's my dissertation.
1: I feel like I fell out of conspiracy theories when I saw how harmful a lot of them are like during COVID. Yeah. I was like, oh, conspiracy theories can like really cause a lot of harm. And so I, I kind of distanced myself from them. But I feel like the philadelphia experiment and paul mccartney's dead are like pretty safe ones to believe in also free britney but that's um, not a conspiracy we now know
0: yeah now it's like proven i guess it's, it is a conspiracy not a conspiracy theory
1: In gay lore uh,
0: yeah we could do a whole <laughs> podcast on, on taylor swift oh and her homoeroticism yes. but mostly i think aliens are real and paul mccartney's alive <laughs>
1: I once thought Michael Jackson was alive for, for a little bit. Oh, I watched yeah, like that's a really a big one, huh? poorly made movie on Netflix in college. It had like Comic Sans font. Same with
0: Elvis.
1: I don't believe Elvis is alive. No, I don't no, either. Certainly not anymore. Also, like I didn't want Elvis to be alive because Maine, we don't have a lot of like cool music history. But one thing we do have is that Elvis was supposed to play Portland, Maine as the next show really? after he died. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I've held on to that fact for 20 years.
0: Any conspiracy theory that it's like, oh, someone who tragically died is actually still alive, I do want to believe. Mm. And so I'll do very little reading into it and just be like, yeah, people say that they're alive. And so I'm just going to tell myself that everybody lived happily ever after (laughs) and everything's fine. (laughs) Living a new life. All right. Next question. I'm excited to hear this from you. What is your earliest memory spiritually? Your earliest spiritual experience, I guess I'll say. And what is your funniest
1: The person who asked this sent a ghost emoji with it. So I initially took this as ghost stories. Okay. (laughs) As you know, I don't have a lot of like spiritual memories growing up because I grew up a skeptic.
0: This is why I was excited.
1: I was raised, get this dichotomy. I was raised that energy work is bullshit. Crystals are rocks. God is not real unless you like want to believe it. In which case, like whatever, that's on you. But ghosts very very real my mom <laughs> when she was in her the 20s line. anything
0: other than go- ghosts and everything else is bullshit I'm obsessed with that
1: my mom was a ghost hunter in her early 20s and I'm sure like there's a different name for it now I'm sure people would call her a medium now but I don't think she would take on that title she was a ghost hunter so in her early 20s she would go to people's homes that were having like weird things happening and she would talk to the ghost hear their story and help them pass on which I just thought was the most normal thing ever
0: (laughs) Molly when I tell you this is my dream and what I would not give to sit down with your mother I will buy her dinner
1: it's so funny because like It's the most normal thing ever. Like, it's like being a lawyer in my household. Like, Mm -hmm. it's such a normal career. And then, like, coupled with the fact that, like, everything else I was raised to believe is bullshit is so funny to me.
0: Which, actually, that doesn't, that's not that confusing to me. I think because there is, I also know a lot of, like, more skeptic, more logically minded, quote unquote, people who believe in ghosts as well purely on the idea that energy cannot be created or destroyed
1: but are they talking to ghosts Madison
0: (laughs) like no I'm just saying I don't think that that's that weird of a belief system to say that like ghosts are real but everything else is fake like I, I get it I get it ghosts I think are the easiest to get on board with
1: yeah I would grow up hearing on the you know when we went camping with our friends over the campfire my mom would tell like ghost stories but they weren't like spooky ghost stories they were like the dog tuna fish was
0: what she saw on Tuesday
1: yeah it was like the dog tuna fish was freaking out and the owners were feeling a cold spot and turns out the girl who lived in the house had drowned and so we helped them cross on and (laughs) it was like I was like, yeah, that's that's what it was, you know, and then my mom, the way that she described it was she wanted to do this for a living. But she was told she needed to go to school for psychology to make sure that people weren't just hallucinating and she didn't want to do that. So she joined the army instead. And I just I think that story just (laughs) encompasses my mom and subsequently me in, in a nice little nice little box.
0: That is so funny. That is both your earliest and your funniest, in my opinion. (laughs) I don't know what my earliest spiritual experience was. My mom has told me that I did a lot of like spooky shit when I was a kid that I don't remember, like talking about things that I couldn't have known, like, you know, very classic, like past life kind of stuff that people talk about experiencing with young children. But she said that I scared her quite frequently. So maybe I'll get her. She also tells me she doesn't remember. So I'm like, obviously, it wasn't that exciting. Yeah. But I'll see if I can get anything from her and maybe I'll share that one day. But my funniest, this is something that like I look back at myself and I like have a little bit of a giggle because when I was in high school, I think I was like about 16 when like this particular story happens. But we lived in a house that had a lot of spiritual activity. My backyard on the other side of the fence was a graveyard connected to an Mm -hmm. old church. And I will never forgive my high school boyfriend for like what he wanted to do for fun when he would come over to my house, was like walk around in the graveyard. And I'm convinced that that ramped things up because it was multiple different entities that these, like this is my only real time of genuinely feel like I've experienced clairvoyance where I've seen something in front of me that quote unquote wasn't there. Mm. Seen spirits, heard things there. would I remember I would go to sleep in that bedroom and we'd just hear footsteps walk from our garage to my bedroom door over and over and over again. So like no, no, some no, no, kind no. of like spooky, scary, some kind of like, just like neutral experiences like see, I I saw like a woman in our kitchen once I saw like two kids in our backyard like and then you know blink and they're gone but some of the spooky scarier parts of it got to be a little bit too much for me as a teenager oh there was also a figure that would stand at the top of the stairs right by our like door that goes in through the garage like not the front door but like the door that everybody uses more often sure right by that door was, was a set of stairs and I was like kind of a meddlesome teen And so I always look back and think that he was, like, looking down at me because I would, like, come home late, pass my curfew probably, (laughs) like, probably wasn't supposed to be out, and he would just be, like, looking at me and be like, I know, sorry, and go to my room. But one day, something, like, actually that really scared me happened. I saw a figure of a person, like, a shadow of a person walk across my bedroom wall. Like it was as if a person was walking across my bedroom and I was seeing their shadow, but it was like a tall man with a tall hat. I know everybody talks about the top hat man. It was like literally the top hat man walked across my bedroom wall and I had had it. And so 16 year old me, I was home alone, marched into my kitchen, like into the center of our house. And I just started yelling. I was like, I'm done. We're not doing this. I can't do it anymore. My room is my space. I don't care if you're here. You can hang out as much as you want. I don't care what you do in the communal spaces, but my room is mine and you can't have it. And I like, I, like, I gave it to him. I was not fucking around. And after that, everything, you know, calmed down. Everything was fine. And I thought, in the moment, I was like, oh, I really, I really told them. They really listened to me. They're afraid of me. <laughs> and then I got older and learned about sound cleansing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I sound cleansed the house with my voice. Yeah, but also you set boundaries. Yes, also that. The energies. But... The energies that I was talking to, they listened. Mm -hmm. And then the energies that I wasn't talking to that weren't listening, they just went away. Like I cleansed the space with my voice. And I was like, really, I was proud of myself for, I mean, I still am because I was like what 16 year old is like going to go yell at a ghost. But (laughs) that in itself is funny. I wish that we had had cameras so that I could like hands on my hips, like really, truly like giving Southern mom a good (laughs) telling to, to these ghosts. I was like, you're not going to scare me anymore. I'm pretty sure that's advice my mom would have given you. See, look at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. Also, I was never scared of ghosts growing up because my mom always told us a story about a ghost that woke a family up during a fire when their smoke alarms didn't go off. Mm -hmm. And so she always would say like ghosts are more likely to protect you from harm than cause harm. Mm -hmm. So if you see them, like thank them and also tell them. If you don't want them in your space or you don't want to talk to them right now. Mm-hmm.
0: I kind of like assuage any form of fear around it when, and I don't even remember where I heard this, but it's a really great point of that. Like if a spirit just like rustles the curtains or whatever, you're going to blow it off. Mm-hmm. Spirits have to be in your face to get your attention. Yeah. So you can't deny that they're there Yeah, more often than not entities aren't doing that to be frightening They're doing that to be like, hey, I've been talking at a normal volume, but you're not listening. So I have to yell. Yeah, yeah. And so I try to be like aware of that and conscious and empathetic to that of like, oh, my God, imagine if you had to scream to get anybody to pay attention to you. Like I would probably be a scary top hat man walking across a 16 year old girl's bedroom wall too, to be like, excuse me. You've been gaslighting yourself about me for six months.
1: (laughs) All right. Our last question what has been your favorite part of recording the pod so far and what challenges has it presented? Okay,
0: I think my favorite part, this sounds so cheesy, but my favorite part is just that I get to set aside an hour to talk to you. We always say that we started the podcast because these were conversations we were already having and it just made sense to get other people involved and to Mm -hmm. see what other people were thinking and to kind of share because I feel like I always felt like I had learned something That's what I love most about our friendship is I feel like I learn something every time we talk. It really is for me, I think, that we just get to hang out and that other people have enjoyed it. You know, everyone's response has been really wonderful as well. The messages that you guys send us are so kind and I still can't run my head around it. And that I get to experience all of this just because we are having conversations that we would be having privately in voice notes is like the coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah, that's also my favorite part. And then hearing from people like so many people have let us know in one way or another that the podcast makes them feel less alone, Mm -hmm. which is one of those reactions that I didn't expect Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But I've had so many people that are like, I feel like you two are my friends and I'm on this journey with you. And so many people who feel like they don't have anyone they can have these conversations with to be able to be a part of that and to help people feel less alone on their journey is like, ugh, it's just like such an honor. Yeah. It's
0: so cool. Yeah. So thank you. I guess everyone listening, you are our favorite part of recording the pod because I feel the same way about everyone who's messaged us. I'm like, Oh, I just like have a friend now. Like mm-hmm. a couple people have like put us in group chats where it's mm-hmm. like our own accounts and then someone messaging the two of us. And I'm like, Oh, just like, you know, the same thing that we would be doing the two of us, we get to do with other people. And I think that's so cool.
1: Yeah, that's been really fun.
0: As far as challenges, I think for me, I'll be interested to see what you think too about this, like what your challenges have been. For me, a lot of stuff about like being seen has come up through the podcast a lot about like putting myself out there in a way that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think I've talked about this before with like, I think I've talked about it with you and brought it like other places, but getting... Out of what I call sidekick energy. Mm -hmm. I think that this has been a really. Interesting exercise. In like owning that I know some shit. Yeah. And owning that I have something to say. That is important. Mm -hmm. That has been. A challenge. That has been a practice. (laughs) And I think that is something that I'm also so grateful for. Through the podcast is that. That's leaked into other parts of my life. Like through the store. Through my work. And in all facets of my life. Like I've found it easier to take up space because of the space that the podcast gives me to do so i love that
1: i think my challenge is in allowing it to be easy mm-hmm. i'm someone that like i have a very spiritual side to me but i also have a business brain because i run a business my degrees in business I'm surrounded by people in business And so I'm constantly sort of balancing in my business, this dichotomy of like teaching and strategizing and marketing and sales and scaling and like all of these things. And the podcast has been this thing that has felt very easy from the start. And my nervous system has been like, why it's supposed to be hard. Everything's supposed to be hard. You need more strategy. Like (laughs) there needs to be more of a plan. And so it's been a practice in me just being like, okay, what if this is just easy? What if we just let this be fun? And what if we don't need like a big strategy behind it? And what if we don't need to create like an elaborate sales funnel around it? And like, Mm -hmm. What if it could just be a fun way to teach, just teach like the message that I got from A meditation the other day when I was kind of like asking Reiki asking the universe for like what do I need to do in my business next it was stop strategizing and just teach Mm -hmm. just teach that's it and I feel like for me that has helped me so much because I love teaching I love having these conversations and I think I forgot how fun it could be and how easy it could be and how like there doesn't need to be a big elaborate plan behind it because the right people will find the message and the right people will be here and we've seen that in the podcast that has grown leaps and bounds faster than who we ever yeah. expected it to and there hasn't been like a big elaborate marketing strategy behind it and that has helped me take pressure off in all areas of my life and just like what if it was easy? What if everything felt like the podcast? What
0: would that be like?
1: Sort of getting my nervous system on board with that has been it's been a fun practice
0: yeah I think it has given both of us kind of exactly what we needed in the time when we needed it mm-hmm. it's so interesting the way like the podcast formed and took shape our original launch plan was January of 2023 <laughs> and we launched in May and kind of same thing where like I think both of us had to do a lot of work on what if it's all happening just as it's supposed to happen like what if everything is just as it needs to be what if every facet of it is perfect right now and that has been a continued practice I think for both of us that has been proven to us over and over again in a way that Mm -hmm. has been so cool all right I think that's it for today I think
1: so thank you to everyone who submitted questions and again we'll leave a form in the show notes going forward if you ever have a question if you have a topic you want us to cover, if you just want to say hi, that'll be down below. And as always, you can feel free to drop us a review or drop us a DM over on Instagram. We love,
0: love, love, love hearing from you. Yes. And uh, we will see you soon. Yes. And let us know if you liked this format, if you want us to keep doing these Q&As. If you like seeing a little bit of the behind the scenes, just shoot us a DM or drop it in that form and we will see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to
1: Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the
0: show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.